Oh, hello, Internet. Oh, my goodness. It has been so long. How are you doing? Did you have a nice Thanksgiving? Nice Halloween? Uh, Man, it has been a little while, huh? It's been a minute. Uh, Well, welcome back uh, to Kingdom Hearts Coast to Coast. I'm Justin. Who is here with me today? Here I am, Madison. That's right. Uh, I don't know why I introduced it that way. We are literally the hosts of this show. We are both here every time. It's just going to be us every time. What's up, everybody? We are just topsy-turvy today. Up is down, left is right. What is even going on? Who knows? But today we are here back talking about Kingdom Hearts once again, as we do every week. And uh, this time we are talking about the adventure in Wonderland in Kingdom Hearts 1. This is uh, the essentially the first sort of Disney uh, Disney World that we are going to in Kingdom Hearts, and that's what we're going to discuss today. So, uh, uh, Maddie, do you have any opening thoughts on this uh, on this section of the game? You know, they uh, they probably shouldn't have put this one as the very first one. You have the option to go to the jungle from Tarzan instead, but it's rated harder, so a lot of people are going to pick this one. You know, I like Alice in Wonderland just fine, but it is uh, one of the weaker levels, unfortunately. Yeah, it is. We'll talk about this more later, but it is one of the weaker levels, and it's it's a weird fit for the game as well, because I think that it shares, it, it, it shares something that's that's a little unfortunate with the movie that it draws from uh, which is uh 1951's alice in wonderland uh the classic disney animated feature uh in that there's um there's a uh, not really much in the way of structure or focus to that movie pretty much because it is it is based on a book that has very little in the way of structure or focus you know there there wasn't really i feel like in replaying this part of the game there wasn't really a whole lot for them to to kind of hang their hat on here you know right they kind of had to finagle the plot of the movie pretty hard to make it into anything and they didn't put a lot of the movie into this level i know you just watched that movie so you can say a little more about that yeah um and just to to speak on that for a second so Let's talk a little bit about Disney's Alice in Wonderland. So this was a movie that Walt Disney had tried to make for a very long time. In fact, basically the earliest, one of the earliest Disney productions, essentially, was uh, a thing he did while he was working for another animation studio that was uh, basically like a, a novelty, this this company that he was working for basically made like kind of animated novelties uh and this one was a live action animated hybrid featuring a, a real life little girl interacting with cartoons that was kind of based on lewis carroll's alice in wonderland so you know it had a very special place in disney's heart uh because that was one of the things that was sort of his one of his sort of breakthrough things so he tried to make a feature film movie version of alice in wonderland for quite a while he bought the rights to do a movie based on it and he bought the rights to the original illustrations that were in kind of the classic editions of the uh, of the book and it went through a whole bunch of different a whole bunch of different um, changes on its way to actually becoming a movie 
Uh, you know, at one point it was going to be a live action animated hybrid. At one point it had these very sort of grotesque character designs that were much more closely based on the Tenniel illustrations that the movie still kind of draws from, but only in like a very general way. And it basically took, you know, it, it took from being one of the very first things that he considered making a movie of. This ended up being the 13th movie that Walt Disney Animation ended up making. And by the time it ended up getting finished, you know, it wasn't the movie for one thing when it came out wasn't a big success. And Disney himself thought that the movie was kind of a disappointment. Uh, he felt like it didn't have a lot of heart, I guess is what he said. And that is kind of true. Apparently, one of the one of the people that worked on the movie ascribed sort of the, the issues with the movie, which is basically the movie, watching it again, um, which I did just like a couple of days ago, it really does feel mostly just like a collection of sketches. Like it almost feels like it's closer to something like Fantasia than most of Disney's movies were uh, most of Disney's other movies were because it, it does feel like it's basically just like a series of scenes that don't really have much to do with each other and don't really like build to anything and apparently there were essentially what this person who worked on the movie said is that this thing had five different directors all doing different scenes and all kind of trying to top each other with their scenes so it feels really scattered and I noticed that the Kingdom Hearts level basically only features stuff from the last, like, 20 minutes of the movie, uh, which is the part where Alice gets to the Red Queen's castle and decides to basically, like, try to, you know, try to immediately try to, like, get away from the Red Queen completely unsuccessfully until she wakes up at the end of the movie and it's all a dream. Yeah, and I, I think why they did that, I think the reason why that's the only part of the movie that they drew anything from here is it's the closest thing to an actual thread the movie has in it. Because, like, for the majority of the movie, she's just trying to find the White Rabbit because she wants to know what's going on with him. And then she decides she's had enough of Wonderland and she wants to go home. And she ends up going to the Red Queen's place, getting put on trial and chased until uh, the whole world kind of dissolves around her. And then she wakes up. It's the closest thing that the movie has to anything that continues for more than a couple of minutes in any one direction. Like, it's essentially like they just took like because the Red Queen part of the movie is basically just a sketch the same way that the other things are but it's a longer sketch it's it's like they took one of the other scenes and just stretched it out to like four times the length so I do understand in that sense why they chose that as the bit of the story to focus on in this video game level but it's not very much it's not very much of anything that makes sense what you said but they didn't they put the other things they put in weren't really they still had to stretch what they put in and yes the, the other things they added were the mad hatter's tea party room without the mad hatter or the march hare or the mouse the dormouse and they put in this forest with giant flowers, but they weren't the talking flowers who sing in the movie. They were they were just magic flowers. They didn't put in the White Rabbit's house or a lot of the really recognizable things from the movie. No, and I mean there is there are 
environments in the movie that look a little bit like the forest, but the forest itself in the game is a very sort of, like, generic-looking area for the most part. Like, there's some detailing on the walls, like the kind of big sort of palm frond things you can see all around, like, the perimeter of the forest that look quite a bit like the backgrounds and some of the forest scenes in the movie. One of the things that really strikes me about this level is just how, like generic and anonymous so much of it is like the forest is basically like a third of the level and it's a really boring environment with some kind of some slightly frustrating but still not terribly difficult jumping jumping challenges you know like some light platforming basically so okay the big gimmick the big structural gimmick of this part of the game is that there's one room that you kind of start off in that is called the bizarre room and it's the room that features the talking keyhole and the potion that makes you shrink and grow in size essentially a bunch of different exits from different part other parts of the level lead back into the giant version of the bizarre room they they end up placing you like on either like a countertop or you know on top of the fireplace or walking along the ceiling uh, i think maybe there are ways to get onto the walls where the where the like the wall is essentially like the the ground and so there's actually quite a lot of space in this level uh, once you kind of start digging into it and finding your way to those places. But none of it really like feels interesting. It all feels very empty. It feels really empty. And, you know, I do just kind of wonder whether anybody working on the game actually liked the Alice in Wonderland like property enough yeah I think that Alice in Wonderland is quite popular in Japan but I guess it's possible that maybe none of the people actually individually involved with the project were fans so they were kind of putting it in out of obligation that is kind of how it feels but let's um let's kind of go through what actually happens in this part of the game you know kind of just like look at look at like sort of what they actually did with this so the first thing we should talk about actually before we even get to that is the fact that so at the start of this area we're leaving Traverse Town and we get to everyone's favorite and most memorable part of Kingdom Hearts 1 the gummy ship wow so here it is gummy ship it is time for this to happen and it will happen again numerous times throughout the game though i don't know how much we'll actually end up talking about the gummy ship uh this is the first appearance of it so we're gonna talk about it here so the gummy ship is uh it's an interesting concept it's basically what this game has instead of like a world map basically you select one of the points that you can fly to in the gummy ship Upon leaving a world, you select one of the points you can fly to with the gummy ship uh, that are kind of adjacent to where you are. The world is kind of arranged in, like, these this, this series of rings. It's a bit like a board game. A little bit like a board game, yeah. And then you fly uh, from where you are to your destination through what is essentially, like, a very basic version of, like, a Star Fox level. Uh, you know, like a forward-scrolling rail shooter, basically. And you're flying uh, in the gummy ship, which is a customizable vehicle that you are constantly collecting new pieces for, both in, like, the main levels themselves and also in the gummy ship sequences. And I, it, I have never personally 
ever actually uh, customized my gummy ship. Did you do this at all? I think I did it back when I played it the first or second time. I, th- I think I kind of remember having a red gummy ship, so I must have done something because you start off with a green one. Right. No, I, I mean, I like the idea of this a lot, actually, but I just found the interface for building your own gummy ship really hard to grasp. Like, I found it just, like, inscrutable, basically, to actually, like, put these things together. Like, you first you select a blueprint, and then you select different kinds of, of, of blocks, basically, to put together. And you can give the gummy ship different, you know, you can change its speed, you can change its amount of armor you can change uh i guess it's firepower yeah, like a laser gun and missiles yeah and you know the thing is that the gummy ship stuff is never actually that hard so i never felt like a need to grapple with this thing it's all trivially easy you can just hold down the button and it doesn't even really matter i think if you take damage it's pretty hard to die actually one of the fun things um i don't know if you've ever watched any speed runs of the kingdom hearts <laughs> games but speedrunners of kingdom hearts one will do a small bit of gummy ship customization where they will basically just like cut the gummy ship down to just the cockpit and the laser so that it has the highest possible movement speed and then just go they'll just go and you can get through (laughs) literally everything in the game with just that and i just i don't understand i feel like this must have been somebody's like pet project like they loved this thing and just kept adding layers of detail to it yeah there was maybe there was just one person whose job it was to do the gummy ship because they really wanted to do it and they were just like that's fine you do that the gummy ship would change a bit in the later kingdom hearts games in kingdom hearts 2 it's much more elaborately presented it's still not really hard but it is more like like playing like a star fox or panzer dragoon level um where there's like a lot of you know very flashy action going on and i still never really felt the need to customize the gummy ship but i also had more fun doing the actual levels and i kind of you know i'm saying a lot of really negative things about the gummy ship i do think those sequences are kind of fun the first couple times you do them the problem for me at least is that between uh, until you later on in the game get the ability to just kind of fast travel around different points on the map you actually have to do the gummy ship sequence every time you want to go between two two places so like for example in this level um i needed to have a potion in order to feed to feed to one of the flowers so that it would make me grow large and strong and crush my enemies that's not really true the enemies don't show up when you're big whatever i think you just whack a tree yeah the point is uh yes you do just whack a tree that's literally the only thing you do you step on a stump and you whack a tree the uh the point is i didn't have a potion and i i could have just fought enemy mobs until one of them dropped one but instead i decided to go back to traverse town to buy a potion and I had to do, that meant that I had to essentially do the gummy ship sequence in reverse and then do it again <laughs> to get back to Wonderland. And by the end of that third one, I was like, ugh, man, this is, this is rough. This is not good enough for me to have done this so many times in the last, like, hour. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of dig the gummy ship thing. I mean, it's, like, a kind of meditative because you just, yeah. hold, you know, hold down the button and blast, like, shiny panels. Yeah, it's all very abstract, which I'm kind of into. Like, I kind of like that a little bit. You know, like, it's so basic looking. I don't really understand why it looks the way it does, but, 
you know, it's kind of got like this like psychedelic swirling background and everything's just like untextured polygons, basically. Um, It's weird. But one thing that I am really, I do think is really funny is right at the start of the gummy ship sequence, the first gummy ship sequence when they're introducing it to you, there's this really weird interaction with Donald and Goofy where they're basically just, they just turn into the game's manual for a few minutes. Like they're saying stuff that doesn't sound like it's in their voice at all. And they're just telling you how the gummy ship controls. Yeah. And then at the end of it, like, like Goofy's like, yeah, and watch out for the heartless ships. And it's like, why are you guys not more curious about these things? Like, they have ships. They have hierarchy. Like, they're obviously some kind of... They have some kind of space navy? Yeah, right? Like, what are they? And, like, why don't you care at all? That That is quite surreal. Now, the gummy ship maintenance is handled by our friends Chip and Dale. Yeah, wearing some really cute, uh, like, kind of blacksmith's work aprons. Yes. And I love it. I love it so much. They're adorable and small. Now, so the gummy ship, is that... That's not anything from anything. Is it something from gummy bears? That's literally the only thing I can think of that has anything to do with this. Uh, is the fact that Disney produced a TV cartoon called Gummy Bears in the mid-80s, which um, I definitely watched as a kid, but remember basically nothing about, other than that its animation was better than other kids' cartoons that were on at the time. But, uh, yeah, I don't think this has really anything to do with that, aside from using the word gummy in it. I don't know where it came from, really. It's a really odd little choice that they made it uh, it gives kind of a neat feel to the open space <laughs> void between worlds i suppose yeah you know it actually does like one thing i do like is that it gives this weird nebulous sort of inter-reality space that the game takes place in kind of a sense of scale so that's kind of cool like i'm like the thing is that like a lot of people complain about the gummy ship but like i would rather have it there than not have it you know yes and rather than just now now you warp to the next place and now you're there no buffer or anything right I like the music, too. I do like the gummy ship music a it's lot. It's kind of a jam. It's kind of a jam, and it's it's got this really good sort of, like, adventurous feel to it, which I think is really, it really fits the game well, um, which is good because you will hear, that is one of the few pieces of music that you will actually hear over and over again in the game. So anyway, in Wonderland, you get to Wonderland, and... Uh, once you select Wonderland from the map, it just starts off with you kind of falling down the rabbit hole, just kind of leisurely, the three, you know, characters just kind of leisurely sort of floating down. And um, when you get to the bottom, you see the white rabbit running off and you decide, hey, white rabbit, let's follow him. Just like Alice in the movie, basically. And when you go into the next room, it is the aforementioned bizarre room. The white rabbit has just finished going through the talking door like the talking keyhole doorknob dude who looks great by the way he looks amazing um i have to say that is one piece of animation in this that looks incredibly good like the animation on the doorknob's mouth is so good uh it's it's so you know cartoony and 
uh, stretchy looking. It's yeah, I love it. It looks it looks like a perfect like video game representation of that character from the movie. That dude was made to be modeled in 3D. Like it's an interesting thing actually because like Kingdom Hearts on the whole gets really does a really good job at you know visually like feeling like the various movies but it's not like a cel-shaded game like it's not trying to look really like animate cartoony it just looks very animated does that make sense that's right it's not trying to imitate the style of a 2d traditionally animated no but it does like when you look at it you go like oh yeah that's you know everything's completely recognizable as what it is and like yeah. when you think about it in your mind it's like I think a little hard to separate the things that happened in Kingdom Hearts from the things that happened in the movie because like they're they are the same for sure and that's actually pretty hard to do when you're doing a 3D version of an animated thing which um if anybody's ever played a video game based on the Simpsons you know is really tough cuz Simpsons characters look like nightmares in 3D Oh no. Anyway, you know, you talk to so Sora talks to the keyhole and he's like like how do we get small so we can go through you too, which is a, a really amazingly wild leap of logic. You know, not like okay, let's find a way around this door. It's just all right, well we need to be small to go through you, so how do we do that? How did it possibly occur to Sora that getting big and small is a thing that one might do? I don't know. It's he's he's a weird kid, right? <laughs> like he's a weird he's a strange and very sort of gormless boy sometimes <laughs> i think so anyway the doorknob tells him to drink the potion that's on the table and sora just does it like he is down for this and um when you shrink you're suddenly in the the sort of like giant scale version of the bizarre room and i had a thing happen to me here that has happened to me every single time i've played this game which is in order to actually get from there into the next room you have to, as while you're large, you have to push a, like, bed into the wall so that a door is is available to go through. I forget to do this every single time I've ever played this game. Oh, no. So I had to get big again, push the, push the bed, get small again, and go through the door. And uh, that gets you into the Queen's Courtyard where Alice is on trial. And this is where I think you can really see the people making the game just not being enthusiastic about this because like alice is just like i did nothing wrong alice has no idea what she's doing there she doesn't even know she's on trial until... which is wild because they've got her in a little cage in a yeah. courtroom well they've got i mean first of all they have her on what essentially looks like a witness stand that's right they haven't put her in the cage yet and there's like a jury there and everything and she's like and and the queen's like all right the trial will now commence and alice is like what a trial poor alice poor alice she asked for none of this um so she's on trial apparently for the very strangely worded crime of attempted theft of the queen's heart which they mean in a completely literal sense here because it's kingdom hearts which is a shame it is a shame that would be more interesting could, could really have done with some uh, alice red queen romance subplots in this game uh yeah yeah so can we just talk for a minute about how the red queen just sucks as a villain both in this and as and in the movie she is 
Uh, you'll notice that she is not one of the villains that the the other Disney villains invited to. She, she doesn't get to sit in on the red table. No, no, she doesn't get to sit in on on the round t- on on the evil round table. She doesn't even know what's going on. She knows nothing about any of this business with the Heartless or anything. She's a victim here. She is a victim, yeah. Though not that much of a victim because they clearly clearly didn't actually manage to steal her heart. I think. Oh yes. I think she would, because she wouldn't be there anymore, right? That's true, yes. Well, it was attempted theft, yes. It was attempted. Yes. Um, so, anyway, Sora, Donald, and Goofy rush in to try to defend Alice, but they can't actually mention the Heartless because of the weird, like, rules about not, uh, you know, like, kind of like the weird Kingdom Hearts Prime Directive, basically, where they're not allowed to mention stuff from other worlds within a world. It seems like there should be an exception since the Heartless are there. Yeah, the Heartless are there. So the best that Sora can do is some other guys did it, not this girl. And the queen basically is like, okay, well, fine. Go and find some evidence and we'll see. Which, this is a world that's entirely based on nonsense, so I'm not sure why the the heroes here think that, like, collecting, like, a bunch of forensic evidence is going to, like, help that much. But they go do it I anyway. I guess, to be fair, they don't know that yet. They don't know that. That's true. So They just got here. Anyway, from there, you go into the forest, which is where you're going to be looking for this evidence. And you meet the Cheshire Cat, who I think it's a bit of a shame that the Cheshire Cat doesn't get any voiced dialogue in this game. Like, it's all text boxes here. The Cheshire Cat tells you that there were shadows there. They're not there anymore, but there might be some evidence left from them if you look around. And I do like this, actually, because it's... I I like that the Cheshire Cat doesn't have access to the same sort of, like, terms for all this stuff that the party members do like he doesn't know they're called heartless uh he's just like you know describing them in in more general terms and that's kind of a fun thing it does give this this world a little bit of like individual character and he tells you he tells you there's like four pieces of evidence so you go off to find them you don't actually have to find all four you get a reward if you do you get blizzard that's right uh, or you get blizzard earlier you still get blizzard after the boss fight later if you don't get it now but it is really helpful to have that for the rest of this level for sure so you go around this area which is the forest is basically just one room and as we were talking about before it's got kind of some platforming it's a little generic seeming um, but it does have a couple of different kind of puzzly things. You can get bigger and smaller in this room and affect some stuff, uh, basically like the placement of some of the platforms. And several of the exits from here lead back into different parts of the bizarre room, which is where some of the evidence is. Once you get however much evidence you're you're going to be col- you're collecting, you go back to the queen's courtyard and place the evidence boxes that you got in front of her and then she mixes in some of her own like fake evidence basically and you have to guess which box has the real evidence in it and uh if you do guess wrong uh one of your party members 
gets put in a cage so they're not available for the first part of the fight that happens because the queen sends her soldiers out to fight you and puts Alice in a cage that's up on this kind of like uh, raising platform thing and the thing that took me um, it took me a little while to remember this actually when I was doing the boss fight this time but you're not actually supposed to fight the card soldiers that the queen sends after you uh, because they'll just regenerate infinitely there's like this kind of mechanism in the middle of the room that the card soldiers used to raise up the cage that Alice is in, and you're actually supposed to hit that until it breaks, and that's how you win the fight. Did you immediately just go for that, or did you have a little bit of time, too, where you were just kind of whacking away at these dudes and being like... Oh, no, I uh, I went right for the uh, machine, actually. I think I must have started off right next to it and hit it by okay. accident because I didn't don't think I remembered that was how the fight went, but once I realized it could take damage, um, I started whacking on it. Yeah, once I realized the cards weren't dying, I remembered there was something else I was supposed to do, and I realized pretty quickly what it was, but it definitely took me a couple of minutes. But, yeah, once you you beat the cards, uh, or once you finish this fight. Once you fell the tower. Fell the tower. Uh, smash it to pieces. Uh, once that happens, the cage that Alice is in turns around and you see that she's not there anymore. And everyone's like, oh, well, I guess Alice must have gotten kidnapped by the shadows. And the queen tells you, go find her. We can't have a trial without a person to put on trial. And for some reason now, they're just like, okay, cool, let's go find her so that she can I guess I don't know what would happen if they had found her hopefully they wouldn't have just brought her back for the rest of the trial but we'll never know anyway because uh, the spo- spoilers you don't actually end up finding her they don't find her but you go out the Cheshire Cat tells you that you have to turn the lights on to make the shadows come out so you go back into the forest go through a new room that you can access now which is the Mad Hatter's uh, tea party the mad tea party and um there's a little uh mini game type thing you can play in there where you can sit down at the table and have your unbirthday party and you open a present and it either is i think some money or a bunch of heartless including the big boys i love the big boys i did want to mention that is probably my favorite just like normal enemy in kingdom hearts uh i think they're called fat bandits is that right or is that just the ones i think are are fat bandits just the ones with the turbans that you see in agrabah later on i think i think those are just the ones with the turbans i think they're called some variation of fat Guy. Anyway, they're great, and I love fighting them. I love smacking them so they go flying. Um, it's so satisfying. So once you go through that room, whatever you do in there, uh, whether you do the minigame or not, you end up on the ceiling of the bizarre room where you use fire to light a couple of torches, fight some more heartless, and then head back to the floor of the bizarre room where the boss fight now happens. And the boss fight is with this thing that... Uh, I think it's a great design. It's kind of this big, lanky juggler thing with four legs and uh, these kind of fire sticks that it juggles and um, these these sort of long, kind of like flat paper-looking arms. Uh, I think this is a great design. I don't really know why it's here, though. It seems like it doesn't have anything to do with the Wonderland level. It just feels like they had a boss design, so they dropped it in here. I guess it juggles, which is like 
kind of related tangentially to cards. Okay, I mean, it's very whimsical looking, I will say that. It is. I love the way it moves. It bounces around. I'm not a huge fan of this fight as a whole, because I feel like... It took me a long time. It took me, like, three ties. It's actually the first time I died while playing the game, uh, was, was in this fight. You know, it's basically, like, one of the things that you can do in it is jump up onto the table and jump and, and get, like, really good access to uh, to the thing's head from there. Because it's about the same height as the table, but uh, sometimes it will knock the table or the chair you use to jump up onto the table into the ground. So they're not available. So you kind of just got to, you know, deal with... Like, I feel like this is this is a place where uh, the Kingdom Hearts camera really works against you. Like, it feels really hard to, like, get a good bead on where you can actually hit this thing uh, if you're locked onto it. Yes. Yeah, it's kind of, it's it's a, a unfortunately kind of a frustrating fight. But once you win it, um, if you didn't already get Blizzard from the Cheshire Cat... Uh, then you get it now, and everybody just goes, well, I guess Alice isn't here. Maybe we'll find her if we go somewhere else. And then you leave, and that's it. That's the end of this, uh, that's the end of this level, basically. A little anticlimactic. It's, it's all a little anticlimactic, and I don't know, like, I, I, I do just sort of keep going back to the question of, like, why this is in the game if the people making the game seem so unenthusiastic about it. I kind of wonder whether this was either the first level they designed or maybe the last one. That's what I think. It's I think it's one of those, exactly that. Because um, I feel like either this was them trying to figure out how to make one of these levels based on a Disney world and just sort of like... Uh, you know ha having some kind of rough growing pains like you know this is like a rough draft of the other levels basically um or it's a thing where they were almost out of time but they had said they were going to put this in the game so they had to make an alice in wonderland level so they just sort of like clutched it together because there's very little in the way of you know characters that they would have to animate in this there's really very little in the way of story there's not very many environments and it all is over pretty quickly so so it's yeah it just it just feels very like like you know on the one hand it's it's unfortunate that this is the first level that most people probably see but at the very least it is pretty short so you just sort of roll on past it and you know the next levels are luckily a lot more interesting a lot more sort of like enthusiastically designed i think we'll see but yeah, this one, uh, I just, I don't like it very much. I wish I did, but it's it doesn't do much of anything with Alice in Wonderland, and it's not really a great level just, like, on its own. Like, it's kind of plotting and repetitive, basically. And, yeah, it's, I don't know, it's just kind of there. And that's, I, I think from my memory of it, that's basically what I felt about it the first time I played it, too. Yes, I... I certainly didn't care for it the first time I played it. I think I got pretty badly lost looking for the evidence. That does happen. Like, the forest isn't a large area, but it is kind of confusing to get around in. Okay, this is the thing that drove me crazy. So, okay, in the forest, there's a thing where you have to get big, and then the two things you do is you step on this stump, which makes a couple of, like, tree branches sort of rise up and become differently leveled platforms. 
And then you're also supposed to whack a big tree with your keyblade to turn it around so that you have access to a platform when you get small again. The game's camera does not show you a full view of the tree <laughs> when it's spinning. So it's very hard to see what actually changed there. Yes, it's really hard to figure out what the, the correct position for it. It's also kind of, it's pretty frustrating because it's a very simple puzzle, but you can't tell that. It's so simple. It's it's as simple as something can can be and still be considered a puzzle basically. yes it's like two steps and then you've done it but if you don't know that's all there is you can spend a long time fiddling with t changing the positions of the two things to yeah. try to open up new areas even though there's, there's not really any there's nothing there also you have to expend a potion every time you want to get giant yeah so if you do it wrong the first time which it is possible to do then you have to have another potion on hand to spend to make the flower get to, to give to the flower to make you get big again. And at this point in the game, you're not necessarily going to have that. And it can't be any healing item. It has to specifically be a potion. A high potion will not work. Oh, no. So, yeah, it's not great. Yeah, I wish I had more to say about this one way or another, but mostly it's just kind of like, man, y'all did not do a good job on this one. More than once playing this game, I've actually gone and done the jungle from Tarzan first. Uh, because it's just not interested in doing Wonderland. It's a better level. It's not that much harder, too, to it's be true. fair. Like, it's still doable. It's But yeah, we'll, we'll talk about Tarzan in a couple of episodes, I think. But yeah, Tarzan is interesting because I think that that's a movie that you know, for one thing, it isn't nearly as popular just overall as Alice in Wonderland is, but which it feels like so much more effort and energy went into it in this game than uh, than the Wonderland level, for sure. Definitely a richer experience. Oh, yeah, way, way more so. Oh, the one thing I did forget to mention plot-wise that will come up again later is uh, is the fact that something happens once you beat the boss, which is the keyhole guy yawns and Sora's keyblade activates and um, shoots a beam into it and you can hear something locking and that that will be an important thing later on but it is interesting that there are a couple of things here that are introduced that are are kind of going to be relevant later in this otherwise just complete non-entity of a level so Alice gets kidnapped, which we will find out what happened to her later, and this thing with the keyhole happens. So they are setting up some stuff, but overall it's not... It, that could be in any level, right? Like, that, there's no reason for that to be in this particular one. Now, in the Alice in Wonderland movie, is there a scene where the doorknob gets a key shoved into its mouth? No, the no. key... The, the, the doorknob... Um, so, okay, the scene with the, the doorknob in the movie, he tells Alice that she's too big to get in, so she should drink the potion on the table, which she does. And then she comes back and she's like, all right, I'm going to go through this door. And the keyhole's like, nope, I'm locked. And she's like, well, how do I get into you? Oh, she gets even smaller, right? Well, what happens is he's like, oh, it looks like you forgot the key. And the key's back up on the table. But she can't get back up there because she's so small now. So the uh, sh the the doorknob tells her to eat a cookie which some cookies appear and then she gets huge and 
she's trapped basically because she can't move anymore because she's so big and she starts crying and cries like an ocean of tears and then she remembers that the bottle is still there so she drinks that and gets really tiny and falls inside the bottle and floats through the keyhole on the ocean of tears okay so there is a key that exists but it never gets used okay that's a very like visually interesting scene that it seems like they could have done something within the game yeah i agree i agree they could have done stuff with that they could have done stuff with the caucus race they could have done stuff with the actual mad tea party there's so many things they could have used for this and they used kind of the the most inactive sort of stagey bit of the movie which is so weird now it is disturbing news that there's no scene anywhere where the doorknob gets a key put in it because i do have a vivid memory of seeing such a scene and now i'm worried what type of thing i was watching that had such a scene that's a very good and very troubling question i guess i'm not gonna think about that anymore no no i would recommend not anyway next time we're going to the jungle yeah that's right we're gonna jungle it up with tarzan Heck yeah. and friends and friends do that yeah. vine surfing that's right we're gonna do that vine surfing we're gonna do some hippo jumping we're gonna fight a big old cat uh, it is going to be a good time, and we hope you uh, we hope you join us uh, for that. That's right. We'll see you again next time, Internet. Until then, uh, we have got to figure out some way to end these. This is just the worst. You're right. It's bad. And you know what? Those big guys, they're called large bodies, not fat boys. What a large shame. Large bodies. Let's just call them fat boys. Fat boys is better. Fat boys is much better. Let's do that. Thank you for listening to this second episode of Kingdom Hearts Coast to Coast. Our intro and outro feature the song Trinity by Tyler Spearin on ocremix.org. Remember to subscribe and join us again next week as we continue our adventure in the deep jungle. これはこうって決まりは最初から何一つないのよ。すべて単身単で、目をつきりんで、あべこべなの。だけど誰も驚きはしないわ。わかるでしょ？